How many of you have courage, real courage? We need that today living in this world, do we not? We need courage. Today we are continuing our series called Brave, where we're challenging you to live an authentic Christian life. Friends, something has happened in our culture over the last few years, it's kind of the, the frog in the kettle. It's been brewing and it's just bubbling and bubbling. And we have a phenomenon now happening in our culture called pop Christianity. The surveys call it syncretism. Where it's like a buffet. You choose a little bit of this, I like this, this sounds good to me. And they form this kind of pop Christianity and they live a way different from the way of the gospel. And what we're attempting to do is to point people back to the genuine Jesus Christ. To the authentic gospel. To help people encounter our living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Don't you want the real thing? I don't know about you, but I've oftentimes run across something that was counterfeit or fake, whether it's a sweater or, or whatever it might be, and there's something about it after a while, it's just not the same. Today you want a real bona fide relationship with the God, with our Lord, who sent Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And this series is about really pointing people to that and really being brave and courageous in this world to live the Christian life. Today we're going to look at how to be a stronger person. Now, we all admire strong people, don't we? Strong people seem to have it all together. Strong people appear not to crumble in a crisis. Strong people seem to be cool as cucumbers when all the rough seas and the difficulties come. They just kind of remain stalwart and stand strong and remain under control. And everybody aspires to be a strong person. Now there's strong people out there like this guy, Neom, who was pocket Hercules. You heard about that guy? He died here a couple years ago, but he was said to be, in our day, one of the strongest people ever lived. And he was only four foot eleven. Weighed about 140 pounds, but he won three consecutive gold medals at the Summer Olympics. And he lifted well over 400 pounds, three times his weight. They said for his size, pound for pound, he was the strongest guy in the world. Amazing. We marvel at how people can do that. And we're going to talk about somebody here similar who is reported to be the strongest guy who ever lived, and I'm sure you're all familiar with the story of Samson. And, you know, the thing about Samson is, do you realize it's possible to be strong physically, but to be weak spiritually and emotionally? And Samson was a guy like that, said to be the strongest guy that ever lived, and physically, he was incredibly stout and strong. But spiritually and emotionally, he was a weakling. Physically powerful, but spiritually feeble. You might say he was the Rambo of the Old Testament. The Chuck Norris, the Incredible Hawk. 
when it comes to his brawn and his physical abilities. But spiritually, he was the Pee Wee Herman of the big top. He was the Gilligan. And he was so feeble in his emotional and spiritual life. Now, Peter Drucker, and some of you are in business, you know, he wrote the book, The Effective Executive. He says, every time you meet a person who has great strengths, also know that they have great weaknesses. And Samson, I think, illustrates this point beautifully. We all know celebrities, do we not? We know athletes. We're well aware of presidents, even people in the church, famous Christian artists and so forth, and somehow, some way, they had tremendous charisma, they had great ability, they had these awesome strengths in their life, but they had a weakness that ultimately led to their downfall. And in spite of the fact that they were very strong outwardly, they had this one little weakness that brought them down. Now, somebody said it's really wise to learn from experience, but it's even wiser to learn from the experiences of others. Isn't that right? You learn from other people the mistakes they've made. You don't have time to make all these mistakes in the world, but you can see the faults, the failures of others, or the things they've done that they've excelled in, and you can take note of that and apply it to your life. And you don't have to learn everything simply by experience. And today we have that kind of story before us. Now, Samson's story unfolds in only four chapters in the Bible. It's in the book of Judges, and I want to share just a few verses of Scripture. We don't have time to read all four chapters, but I want to get a picture here of the ending of his life for just a moment. Because here was a guy that was reported to be blessed from God and be set apart from God, but he let things happen in his life that led him astray. And here's what we read toward the end of his life in Judges 16. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything sincerely, she sent a message to the Philistine rulers and she said, come back one more time because he has told me everything. And so the Philistine rulers came back to Delilah and brought the silver with them. And Delilah got Samson to sleep lying in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven braids of Samson's hair. And in this way, she began to make him weak, and his strength left him. And then she said, Samson, the Philistines are here. And he woke up, and he thought, I'll leave as I did before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And then the Philistines captured Samson and tore out his eyes, and they took him down to Gaza, where they put bronze chains on him and made him grind grain in the prison. This is one of the last images left on the planet where we can remember this guy, a legacy that he leaves, was said to be the strongest guy ever, but his strength left him, and we find him in the enemy camp in bronze chains, grinding grain in prison. Now, Samson here reigned... He was the last of the judges and reigned about 20 years and brought that to a closure in the land of Israel. And he had the power to be a superstar for God. But he squandered it and he spent these last days grinding grain. But from birth, let's go back and flash back for a moment. From birth, this guy here was a special child. 
In fact, in the opening chapter, in Judges 13, verse 24, it says that as he grew, God blessed him. So he had the blessing of God. It seems Samson had everything going for him. He had looks. He had brawn. He had a loving family. He had godly parents raising him in the church. He was probably voted the most likely to succeed in his senior class. He had a bright future. Everything was going great. You probably know people like this that you thought were going to really be excelling in life. They had all kinds of capability and wonderful strengths. But something happened here in his life and Samson blew it. He wasted his life and lost it all. He was a broken man because he couldn't control things in his life. It's a sad commentary because he was his own worst enemy. And what happened? What took place in this guy's life? We need to learn this today because it can help us not make the same mistakes in our life. It can help us to work toward being a stronger person. It can help us to have bravery and boldness. Remind us we need the Spirit of God in our life to guide our life, to police our desires, to check us and help us to continue on that straight and narrow, to be guardrails, if you will. Now, Samson's name meant sunny, little son. And he was raised in a godly home, and in fact, he was dedicated as a baby. We know there in these chapters of Judges, as a young man, he took the Nazarite vow, which was this covenant, this vow of complete dedication to God. And when he became a teenager, he suddenly rebelled. He decided, I'm going to do things my own way. And he went his own way and decided to do his own thing. And he didn't know what was happening to his life. But one day, he woke up, these scriptures I just read to you, and he realized it was all gone. He had played the fool, and he'd done his own thing. And in Samson's life, we noticed several things that we ought to avoid. In fact, this really stuck out to me here over the last couple of weeks as I've been studying and looking at this. And uh, there was probably other insights, and I encourage you to study in the Word and uh, really to examine this story in Judges 13 to 16. But there's at least three things here that I note in his life that we ought to take really, um, you know, note of here. Three things in his lifestyle that zapped his strength. And we don't want that to happen to us. The first thing that we discover here in this guy's life is self indulgence. Do you know that self-indulgence weakens your life? Do you realize that? I mean, we all want a piece of the pie, do we not? We can't stand it when the chocolate's out. We all have our passion. We all have those things that we, we want to give in to. But anything that is left uncontrolled in your life is going to weaken you. And it could be anything. It could be the way you spend your money. You can get in debt overnight so fast that your head will swim. It could be sex, it could be food, it could be alcohol, it could be your emotions, it could be anger, road rage is all the thing these days. People just fly off the top just like that. It could be time management. Anything left out of control is going to weaken your life. Self-indulgence. Everybody has their pet indulgence. Everybody has those things that they give into, those passions that are there. And it's no secret here that Samson, in his case, had a weakness for women. I mean, there's no doubt about that. He was the playboy of the Bible. Do you know that? 
He was so impulsive. He was so rash. He never thought about anything, it seems. Very hasty. In three chapters here in the book of Judges, he has three different women. His life is a pathetic cycle. He never learned his lesson. He would fall into one trap after the other, one snare after the other, never learned. And our typical excuse, is it not, for self-indulgence is kind of like, no matter what it is, it's this attitude, well, it's just one time. It's not going to hurt anything. No one's going to see it. Nobody's going to know anything about it. I'll just do this one time. And our favorite rationalization is it's just such a small thing. No one will even know. Well, how did Samson handle that? How did it work for him in his life? He ignored it. And we see what it led to, this great downfall in his life. Apostle Paul spoke about this, and he said, Now, don't be led about, misled about anything. Remember, you cannot ignore God and get away with it because you always reap the crop that you sow. Now, it's fall season, and a lot of you know now's the time to start thinking about reseeding your grass, planting grass, aeration, and that kind of thing. And suppose somebody in the church came over and said, Pastor, I'm going to gift you with a 100-pound sack of Kentucky bluegrass. And I'd say, well, that's great. I need to do some of this in my lawn. And then they'd say, well, I, I had an accident, and it's got a little bit of crabgrass seed in it. And I did my best to try to get most of that out of there. Well, you'd be like, well, no thanks, because, you know, in due time, the crabgrass is going to take over the old Kentucky bluegrass. In like manner here, this is what's happened in this guy's life. Because, you know, a thought becomes an action. And then that action becomes a habit. And then a habit shapes your character. And then your character reaps your destiny and I wonder what your character is like today what's the lesson here out of this that the self-indulgence is going to weaken your life the lesson that we must learn here is that strong people discipline their desires we all have desires we all have inclinations we all have passions and this is why we need the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives to guide us, to fill us, to give us the courage, the strength to overcome the temptations of life. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 6 and 12, I will not let anything master me. Or in the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs, anyone who lacks self-control is like a city with walls that are broken down. This incredible thing. I mean, the Bible says that the person who has no control in their life is undisciplined in their life, is defenseless. It's like a city with broken down walls. It's like a home without windows and doors. What's another thing we can know here in this guy's life? Well, not only indulgence, but second, resentment. Do you know that resentment will weaken your life? Resentment. When you look at the life of Samson, you see real quickly that Samson lived in a constant state of anger. A constant state of, I'm trying to get back at you. He was always upset about something, had a very hostile type of temperament, ill-tempered. He was always reacting violently to people and was quite angry, full of rage. And in fact, the scripture says in Judges 15 and verse Three, he says, well, I merely did to them what they did to me. 
there's no golden rule here, platinum rule. It was, they hurt me, so I'm going to hurt them worse. And you know, have you ever used that excuse? Have you ever seen that played out on the playing grounds of life? When you use that excuse, it just weakens your life. I'm not only doing to them what they did to me, I'm just lashing out. And when you think about it, resentment, getting even, is a waste of time. Most cases, the person that you're getting back at doesn't even know you're upset. You're stewing and spewing and you're all up, bent out of shape and the person is over in the corner totally oblivious that something's eating on you. Resentment always hurts you more than it does the other person. Self-indulgence then not only weakens your life, but I want to tell you today that revenge impairs your life. It paralyzes you. You put this other set of filters on and it just weakens your life. So what's the lesson here that we learn out of the life of Samson? That strong people restrain the reactions. They not only discipline their desires, but they restrain their reaction. And resentment is like drinking poison and then waiting for the other person to die. It will weaken your life. The Bible says a hot-tempered man starts fights and gets into all kind of trouble. And it's better to be slow-tempered than to be famous and to have self-control than to control an entire army. Now, I don't want to get historical on you, but I remind you, <clears throat> watching the History Channel or one of those shows one night, and they were talking about one of the great military commanders of the entire world. You know who it was? Alexander the Great. By the time he was in his mid-30s, he'd already conquered the known world. He was a powerful guy. And just a genius on the military field. But you know what? He had a flaw. He had a temper. And in fact, one day, the story is, he got very angry and in a fit of rage, he struck his leading general and killed him right on the spot. A true story. And it was an accident, but in tremendous rage, here was his leading general who also happened to be his very closest friend, his best friend in life. And in the annals of history, you know what he's known for, what he said? He said, I've conquered the whole world, but I can't conquer my soul. I'm telling you today that self-indulgence will weaken your life and resentment will weaken your life. But thirdly, let me just say to you that carelessness weakens your life. When you look here at Samson, he was very careless. His strength was a gift from God, but he continually abused it and misused it, and he was reckless, and the power came because of a commitment he had as a young boy. Now, I remind you that he was a miracle baby. If you go back Judges 13, you find that the angel of the Lord came, it said, and appeared to his parents and said, You're childless, you're sterile, but you're going to have a son. And it said, No razor shall be used on his head because he's going to, be set apart from birth, set apart for God. And Samson took this Nazarite vow. He completely dedicated his life to God at the beginning. And it mean, meant that he was not going to really get into worldly ways. He was going to have a strict diet, not eat grapes and certain kinds of things. He was not going to eat. He was not going to consume alcohol. He, he was not going to shave his hair. 
And never cutting his hair was simply a reminder that he was completely dedicated to God. It was saying, my life is to be lived completely for God. And as a result, I'm going to be different. I'm not going to do worldly things. I'm going to have a strict diet. I'm going to remain unclean. Uh, it was all kinds of things. I'm not going to consume alcohol. I'm not going to cut my hair. It's complete dedication to God. And the strength of Samson was not his hair. The hair just represented his commitment. And the problem was, in Samson's life, that he totally forgot this vow. He got very careless about his ways. And his biggest mistake was he refused to take God seriously. He refused to really faithfully follow the Lord. And I got to tell you, that's a major problem today, is it not? People who are really not sold out to Jesus Christ and not following the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, if you're careless like that, it's going to weaken your life. What's the lesson we learn here? Well, not only control your desires and uh, restrain your reactions, but here we find in this careless thing that strong people keep their commitment. They keep their commitment. There's an old saying out there that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And in other words, your life is only as strong as your weakest commitment. And if you have no commitments, you have no strength. And I wonder today what you're committed to. I wonder today if you are really sold out to the real thing, Jesus Christ our Lord. I wonder if you are filled with God's Spirit and truly desiring to lead that life with Christ on a daily basis. Not just the one hour on Sunday, but on a daily basis. What's your commitment level today? I love that story about that famous singer, Lucian Pavarotti. When he was a young man, his father introduced him to singing, and he loved it. He just embraced it. You know, growing up, there was probably all kinds of things people would introduce you to, and you think, boy, this is really great. Well, he really loved music, really loved singing and belting it out and all that. Well, he grew up uh, even more, and he enrolled in both vocal lessons from a professional tenor, it is said, and also he was in college to become a teacher. And when he graduated from school, he realized he was facing a dilemma because what am I going to do? I, I have this passion for music, but I also enjoy teaching. And, and he wants to talk to his father. And his father said, son, if you try to sit on two chairs, you're just going to fall between them. And he said, for your life, you must choose one chair. And he said, commitment is the key. I want to ask today, what are you committed to? Who are you committed to? You can't live a Christian life without having a firm commitment to the Lord. I want to invite you to pray with me. You know, these are such challenging times in our world and for the church. In some ways, uh, this pandemic has certainly been a challenge, but it's also been very revealing and reminding us of who our allegiance is to and what we're really all about. And I hope today that the Spirit of God would just 
fill your heart, encourage your soul, and lift you up to really a new level of commitment in serving God. So will you join me in a moment of prayer? If you're here today, and you just, you just know the Lord is saying, I need to renew my commitment. Join me in prayer. Oh God, we thank you so very much that we can just come before you today with all of our flaws, with all of our weaknesses. We know you have blessed us with so many wonderful gifts and I am frankly in awe to be here today surrounded by all these wonderful, talented, gifted people. But Lord, we know that there are weaknesses in our life. We all have them. There's desires. There's feelings. We want to partake of this and we want to do that. We want to act in ways in our human nature and not faithfully follow you. And we easily rationalize and set things aside. But God, we pray right now for your spirit of conviction to be upon hearts and lives. Your spirit to fill us today. And help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, not to just simply be committed, but to be surrendered. Totally give our lives to you. I pray for each one here today that's reaching out to you right now. Those on our live stream, others, Lord, here in our auditorium. Your spirit would encourage and comfort them today. Embolden them to have that courage and strength to go forth in faithfulness to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.